So welcome back everyone to episode nine, I think we're at, of Pats Uncovered, a podcast where we kind of go through the uncharted territories of untraditional uh, pathways into tech. And I've got the fabulous Gwenny Warnick with me today. I'm just so excited. I'm like, oh, and I say this to every guest in fairness, where I'm like, I'm so excited, but I am. Like, I mean, all of these are just amazing (laughs) people who have done really, really cool things. So I'm really happy for you to be here today. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, it's very bright and early, and for most people that know me, it's hard for me to be awake in the morning, but these are the things that actually get me out of bed, so I'm like very happy we did this oh, as nice. early as we did. Gwen, <laughs> um, do you want to do a bit of an introduction to yourself, who you are, what you're doing, and why we're, how we ended up talking, I think? Sure. So I am a cloud engineer at the moment, but I'm a career changer into tech from a couple of years back, so I'm still relatively new to the industry. I work in a really great startup called Mantle Group and I was with them as a trainee as well before I got hired. And before that I did my career change and before that I was in education, so totally unrelated kind of arts background and before that like back after uni was music. So that's, I even, yeah. I mean, <laughs> didn't even know that extra part existed. Even better for the podcast. I mean, even more to talk about. So it works out really well. Yeah. And I I forgot to say how I know you, sorry. From, um, no, you're good. Women Who Code, I think I met you. Although yeah. I feel like I've maybe seen you at events before, but you I were think running that's Women Who Code. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with uh, Melbourne, like Melbourne tech is so small in terms of the community and stuff. You'll see the same people everywhere. So like, realistically, we just saw each other at other events. But I think, yeah, Women in Code was kind of where we're like, another person. Okay, cool. (laughs) And now we run it together and it's amazing. So it is cool. get involved in the community, people. It works. Get some friends (laughs) like this. This is amazing. (laughs) Right. Okay, let's dive in. Um. You mentioned a music career. Sorry, where, I didn't even know that part. Do you want to kind of go back into kind of maybe high school, <laughs> college times? Like, what was going on back then? Like, this is all new territory to me to hear about. So I'm excited. Yeah, I did. I have a music background. So I just always did music from when I was little. Like, my mum put me in a choir when I was like six. and But it was like a really hardcore choir where you read huge like scores of Bach masses and stuff. And... <laughs> singing all different languages and I used to be in like the Lord Mayor's Christmas carols every year. <laughs> like oh my like God. So I had that kind of, I feel like choir then got me, I just always liked music. So I played a lot of like instruments in school and then that was the first degree I did, um, classical double bass. So I was an orchestral double bass player. Oh, okay. And then did you kind of stick with it for a while? Like was that a professional career as well? Yeah, a bit. So I also did, I always preferred um, rock music. So I was always in bands and I did other, like I did this kind of really cool world fusion group. If you're up in Brisbane, like they're just awesome, called Amzaza. I liked playing all different styles of music. But yeah, I played as like a casual musician with the symphony orchestra up there. And then I moved overseas because I wanted to, eventually it was because I wanted to learn double bass. And if you go to the Czech Republic and you speak Czech fluently, you can just do uni for free. And my favourite composer was there. Yeah, cool, hey, like imagining that. <laughs> so wait, did you actually move to Czech Republic and yeah, go so, to uni there? Yeah, uh, not uni. So I went there for a year and that's where I learned to teach English because you can do like your certificate in four weeks and then yeah. work. So, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, that kind of started me teaching English. I'd taught music before that as well, but um, not like other subjects. Yeah. So yeah. Teaching was kind of always there as like something that you were constantly doing and developing skills in. 
Yeah, I, I love helping people. I've always had that, I guess, as a bit of a place in things I've done. Yeah, like mentoring yeah. and stuff like that. How, oh my God, how is Czech Republic? It's like one of my favorite places. Like I was there, oh. I think sometime in college for holidays and I was like, oh, easily, so, like, where were you there? Like, what was that like? Yeah, I was in Prague in um, Zizkov, if anyone knows there. It's like Prague 3 or Praha 3. And it had, it was a really funny place. I remember there was like this, one of the oldest Jewish cemeteries like in the world at the back of my window. And it was this like sweet little cemetery with like kind of fallen over like stones. And it was behind a baby tower. So it's this like TV tower, but it's got giant crawling babies on it. Um, I don't know if you remember it. It's like a- I don't think I remember that, but okay. <laughs> a famous sculptor did them. And it's just yeah. like wild. It's these huge babies crawling up a tower, like, you know, or bigger than a car kind of size. So yeah, I lived there. I kind of learned to teach and I worked on pub crawls at night. So I was just using English all the time. I didn't learn Czech quickly and Really not. I mean, I, see, this is kind of why I love doing these things. I'm like, would have never seen that comment. And it would have been so hard to kind of like find that in just random conversation too for it to come up. So I'm like, I'm very glad I'm yeah. like picking it out. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So what, that was a year you spent in Czech Republic. Yeah. And it was, but it was financially really hard. And I, I actually always struggled managing money. Like I've gotten a lot better at it, but I was, yeah, just struggled with it but I guess over there I wasn't making enough money so it wasn't as it wasn't that it was more that like I didn't have savings when I went um you have to work like three four jobs to make enough money because it's not unionized over there um teaching English and it's you're treated really badly if you're new so like exploited a lot you kind of travel all over the city you don't make very much money so it's very hard to make enough to live yeah and then after a year, I, yeah, I just like couldn't afford it. And um, I think I borrowed money off my parents and I went and worked in England for three weeks to pay for my flat home at like a, they have um, English kind of boarding. And yeah, that was actually really fun. It's just these kids going, I was like, what is this concept? And these kids turn up, it was King's College or something. And they turn yeah. up at this huge English kind of manor house and they're just there for three weeks. And it was like all these kids across from Spain for like, their break or something yeah oh my god yeah yeah so it's it's a really big thing like in Ireland too where like um in the summer they'd be there for like weeks and stuff to learn um they'd be there to learn kind of English and stuff and you get on the bus and then like whatever bus stop you're on the way into the city and like 50 kids would get onto the bus like all (laughs) speaking Spanish like it was it was genuinely like a summer sound that is like known in Cork Yeah, they're pretty, um, it's pretty full on, like teaching kids. So you've worked there for three weeks and you're flying home to Brisbane now. Is that what's happening next? Yeah. So what is, so are you just moving into full-time teaching English at home now? Yeah. So I went back to, just, I stayed with my parents when I got back and they, mum, my mum was a, worked in the library at UQ, the University of Queensland, which is one of the big like sandstone unis up there. I didn't think of working there. And for some reason in my mind, I remember thinking I would um, be doing other stuff. So I started the casual work again with the orchestra, but it's really sporadic. And they sometimes call you like on the day or the day before. So in terms of me, like making money to pay back my debt, <laughs> like I, I couldn't just rely on that. Yeah. So I ended up, I don't know what I was doing first. I think I was just applying for jobs. And then mum was like, why don't you teach English at the uni? There's a school. And in my mind, I was like, why would I teach English in an English speaking country? Like it just seemed really 
like stupid. And I was like, there won't even be students. (laughs) Like I look back, I just remember thinking it so like concretely and imagining there was no other reality. And then I was like, oh, it's like a whole industry here. It was like before COVID, it was Australia's third largest industry, I think, uh, export. Yeah. 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 So I took her advice and went and applied for like, they had a, a big English teaching institute there and got the job there. I still remember as well walking in there and I'd spilled, I'd done the like movie scene where you spill coffee all over like your top. I had like a yellow top and it was already like a bit see-through and I was just like, oh Jesus, this is like a nightmare. And I was so flustered because it's so hot there. But yeah, so it ended up. And it sucked. I li- like the funniest thing is like this literally happened oh. to me like two months ago when I was going to like I feel like I remember you mentioning it yeah it literally ha- and I'm sitting on the bus and I've like got my coffee and I'm like sitting down making sure I've got my mask on next second I know there's coffee all over me and I'm like no like what is going on <laughs> not right and it's like it was one of those things where I literally just had like my iPad my phone with me and that's all I brought with me so I didn't even have anything I could like clean myself up. I was just like, oh, no, is there another coffee shop I could go into to like clean myself? Oh, it was so awful. But yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it always just happens when you don't need it to do it, doesn't it? You're like... Yeah, for me. Yeah, like it wouldn't happen to most other people. Okay, so you're teaching English at the university and that I'm assuming that's going well. Like that sounds like a pretty good cool job. Yeah, I like, I just always, I love teaching. It's really, it can be really challenging as well. Like there's a lot of teachers, particularly in that industry you meet that just constantly kind of complain about it. And you're like, why are you even a teacher? But, and I loved the teaching part. So there were some things that were hard to manage. Yeah. It's, it's really tiring, like teaching five days a week, like exhausting. And I would always kind of pick up extra classes. So they would have things like, students on AusAid scholarships so from like Mozambique or Iraq or Vietnam and they've been um the government has like a agreement where they'll support them to study their English and then their degree yeah so yeah it kind of picked up a lot of extra stuff which was also really cool skills wise because I feel like that's where I learned a lot of skills like life skills and good job skills like kind of having to plan things out in terms of having to communicate with other people like team members or stakeholders with students, particularly when it's like one-on-one or private, you you need to kind of be showing them that they're learning and you need to be able to have a vision for them and like communicate that with them. And it took me kind of time to realize that. Yeah. But in Czech Republic, it's like all these business dudes and they're just so funny. They're so kind of stern and, but really like fun when you get to know them. And I had one that was just like obsessed with Australia and he'd bring me in articles. And usually it was like fun ones where he'd be like, you know, Australia has the top 10 poisonous animals in the world. And he'd be like, look at this. And he'd put out this like magazine article. I'd be like, yeah. And they can kind of, some of them want to choose the topic they talk about and just chat because the business is paying for it. But some of them are like really like, they need to know what, how they're improving and they get really like, grumpy if they they don't feel if they don't see progress so it was um yeah it was a it was a good experience it no like it's and it's like even just that experience like it literally just sounds like consulting to me like where it's like one client yeah. is like eh, do what you want we'll go with it we'll see where it goes and the others are like where is my waterfall like this happens and then this milestone and we need to hit this by this day yeah. like it really does sound like that like it's exactly yeah it's exactly right i'd never thought of it like you were consulting before you even knew it. Like this is it. <laughs> I was. 
to hilarious Czech men. How long were you teaching English then and where then did it kind of go, mm, this isn't it for now? Yeah, so I, I did still kind of do it even when I was career changing a bit. Um, yeah, it's something, you, it's something that's very flexible, uh, teaching yep. English. So you can kind of, when I was working in Melbourne, I would, if I had a different job during the day, like when I'd gotten into curriculum development, for example, sometimes I would also get asked to do classes at night or kind of one-on-one classes. Like I'd have a friend who had a friend that wanted to get PR and she needed to practice for an exam. That happened like quite a few times. Yep. So yeah, I kept teaching for quite a long time. It, it was, um, I'm so like my memory so rubbish, but it's, there's no concept <laughs> of time left anymore after the lockdown. You're completely fine. Yeah. Pause for like 10 minutes while I calculate. But I, it, I was in Brisbane for four years when I got back. No, I can't do it. So that was 2008. And then, um, I have been in Melbourne since 2012. Okay. And yeah, I taught like most of that time until about, it would be kind of six years ago uh, when I got more into curriculum development and I'd always kind of written my own materials. And also like I was talking about those classes in Brisbane uh, and the Czech Republic, because you're essentially creating your own kind of course for every student or your own curriculum. It's, yeah, it's just a skill that I really, I liked doing that kind of like putting a recipe together for someone's like success something that really appealed to me like being able to help them say yeah it's that's how it feels to me and everyone's got their own personal kind of one and I really like finding that out like what is going to help them what's going to what motivates them because another thing with teaching English that I think is really useful to learn is you learn there's a lot of um, evidence around and a lot of research around like learning theories and how people learn and there are things like um, they had research come out it's not that new now but you know the amygdala like that part of your brain that responds um, like with emotion emotional responses they found that when people are learning new words like that's um, the first thing that activates and so what it means for learning is that like if you don't have a kind of emotional connection or a kind of meaningful connection to what you're learning. It's very like your brain doesn't recognize it as something that you need to kind of hold on to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you need to recall it lots of times in different ways and different contexts to actually learn it for your long-term memory. So things like that, that I think we all know from our own experiences, but learning about those kind of things more deeply was really like, it was, it's really good to have that huge bank of practical experience because you kind of see it in lots of different contexts. Yeah. And that was, um, yeah, that was something I really liked about teaching and also something I think that helped me be able to do it for so long. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of until, yeah, until about five years ago, I think, that I was teaching. And then I kind of um, went more into the curriculum writing for a couple of reasons because... I still loved teaching, um, but when you're teaching, you often have to teach what is in front of you, and it's often like not great, <laughs> like, and that really frustrated me. So yeah. you're, you know, you're trying to give people a good learning experience with these like books that aren't helpful or don't have realistic language or don't have relevant skills for them when they go to university, or that aren't tailored enough to their experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up at um, RMIT training 
where they had an in-house publisher and they published their own course books. And so I kind of was doing, yeah, I'd kind of split. I asked if I could do the role part-time and ended up getting a curriculum role part-time and keeping my other role part-time. Oh, so it's just like a lot of things and like happening at the same time. And like even just the thing you were saying about the research stuff, like when, and I mean, we're told this in trainings and stuff as well, right? Where like, if you're sharing mm. a story, if you're trying to explain an example, set a scene like said something that people can actually relate to especially when mm. you're talking about tech like if you're trying to explain data visualization to somebody like explain it in a story-based thing because mm. they won't remember it otherwise and they're like that makes so much more sense now it's like we know these days that it's just something like unless you think about it very like specifically it just doesn't work or doesn't make sense to me anyway outside of it and, like that oh, is very cool kind of it's something you can take away for everything so i'm like oh yeah <laughs> It's such a gap in tech. Oh, the communication and the like documentation is something like, it really does, especially as a beginner. And that's something I talk a lot about when I'm talking to particularly like women or people entering the industry. I'm just like, it's not built for beginners. And it's, it's, yeah, to an extent, not built for women as well, but that's an that's another 10 hour podcast <laughs> but yeah that's, that's days <laughs> into a week and go but so then the career switch is happening now like you've already kind of switched into something different so where does the thing fit into it then like <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually, so many changes I love it <laughs> I actually had changed a little bit before that before I was in curriculum development I had taken this role we had an in what's called an independent learning center and it was like kind of a service that we provided to students. And it, it kind of has a lot to do with curating materials for like workshops and writing new materials for workshops. So in my mind, I was like, oh, that could be a really cool thing to do. Like it's kind of the flip side of teaching. Yes. And, it, and it really, um, it really was, you kind of saw, instead of being in a class where you need to kind of manage the whole class, you had the students coming in saying like, I didn't understand this. And you saw how many things like in the books weren't clear or what, what kind of things made information hard to understand in learning materials or in, in class kind of teaching situations. So it was a really good insight into what can kind of be a barrier to people learning. And you could kind of see these patterns. So I did this year where I was running like this learning center and ended up like building it up. I had like a little scheduling system and like, they could come and sign like a little sign up sheet with the time slots so they could just book their time and come. I had like a printing system because surprisingly, and this is, I, this will never like cease to amaze me. We had, um, it's predominantly Chinese students by the time I was teaching. It used to be like Japanese and Korean and now it's um, mainland Chinese. A lot of them, um, and they weren't all Chinese students, but a, a lot of the ones doing the printing were, and they, um, a lot of them couldn't print and they'd be like in Microsoft Word and like, you'd be like, just go to print. So I would have like 10 students a day come up to me when I'm trying to like do my job and be like, can you come and help me like with the printer? I'm like, what is there to help with? Like just file print, <laughs> like there's no help needed. But it was also one of those kind of lessons where it's like, okay, like things aren't always clear to people. It's almost, it's like UX really in tech. Yeah. And well, it, I guess you'd call it CX cause it's like in person. Yeah. But it was really good lesson for me and like the things, you know, the things we think might be obvious aren't necessarily obvious and information needs to be in a way people are going to access it and consume it. 
So like I'd put these signs on the walls that were like, had the screenshots. It's exactly like tech documentation actually. (laughs) And was like, go to file, like screenshot. And I just was like, okay, good. Like now I can just be like, oh, have you seen the poster? Like go and look at the poster then come back to me if you still need me. And they're like, never did. But yeah, so that was uh, something I did for, they ended up asking me to do another year. So I did um, a couple of years in that role. And then when the curriculum role came up, I, yeah, I kind of negotiated if I could do it part-time. And these were, those two decisions were actually huge decisions for me at the time because I'd taught for a a while and it was like a kind of change in direction. And I was kind of like, oh, what if I kind of lose my teaching skills or I don't know. It was something I really agonized over. And I remember particularly for the curriculum writing role, um, it was a time when my manager in the learning center who ran the kind of library part, the books, um, he'd left after 12 years. And I was the, it was one of those jobs where you kind of are the only one that knows how to do it. It's not set up in a kind of sustainable way. So that's why they rotate it. But at the time when he left, um, I'd been in it for like a year and a half and they were like, please, like, can you not leave um, for like a little, a little while? <laughs> and I was like, okay. So um, I remember having the job application for the curriculum role. And this is my, this is a big life lesson for people who just don't know this because I didn't know it. But um, what happens to me when I'm in interviews is I forget the question. Like it happens to me in life, but um, I'll forget the question halfway through and then be like, what am I talking about? And like ramble and also not answer the question necessarily. Like, or I'll have to ask again, you know, what it was. So I was like, Oh, what if I like wrote that down? And I had a friend who like takes in prepared notes. So he takes like a full clipboard of all the questions he thinks he's going to be answered full notes on answers and stories he wants to bring up. And he brings it in with him and they ask him a question. He like goes, please give me a minute and like flicks to the page. And I was like, that is a great idea, but I didn't want the prepared notes. I wanted to like be able to write it down. So I, cause I was like, I won't forget if I write it down. Yeah. And so I, I remember going into it, which is like, now it's like standard for me. I'm, I just like write everything down instantly or I forget it. Yeah. But at the time I didn't know you could do that in interviews. I thought you just had to like sit in person and you know, it was all in person then as well. It was nothing was virtual really, or almost nothing. Yeah. So I remember like taking in a notepad and being like, oh, do you mind if I take notes? And that it was a, it was three people and they were like, yeah, that's fine. And so they'd ask a question. I'd just be like, oh my God. And I'd like write down the keywords and write down. Cause they were asking really hard, like three part questions. I remember one was like, with the curriculum, what, you know, what are the different types of curriculum and how does that impact how you, how it gets delivered in the classroom? And it was, it was like, they were really kind of long. Yeah. So that was really handy. And the feedback I got was like, oh, we we're so impressed. Like you took notes. You looked like so serious. <laughs> and I was like, yes. And so I got that job. And this is my second life lesson for people. It was full time and they insisted it was full time. And on the screen interview, like on the phone, which was by like an HR guy, yeah. he was like, and are you able to work full time? And I was like, uh, no, because I need to stay in the learning center for another six months. So I would be requesting to be two or three days a week. Um, even though it said full time and they insisted and he was like, Oh, okay. I don't think that's really like going to be possible. And I was like, okay, that's okay. So I was, I kind of thought I wouldn't even get an interview and then I got an interview and then on the call to offer the job, they were like, Oh no, sorry. In the interview, 
they were like, yes. oh, w- would you consider being part-time? As if it was like their idea. <laughs> and I'm like, you said it wasn't. <laughs> but, so they'd obviously like had other, I don't know if they had other people have it or whatever. But yeah. they ended up, yeah, giving me, I think, two days and this other chick three days. And then I was in the learning center three days. Yeah. So I was in this like, um, yeah, I had these kind of two transition points. And for that learning center one, that was just like, absolute agony for me because I was head of the learning center by then I'd gotten kind of promoted to look after all of it when my boss left I'd built it up so it was like had a lot of kind of systems working and we were we had a lot more workshops than before we had a lot more teachers than before so like we'd kind of negotiated to get more teachers the more students there were and stuff yeah so it was a really cool job and I really loved kind of managing but then curriculum was like where my kind of heart was. And I always loved writing good, like learning materials. Cause yeah, that's just, you can't, um, it's a real barrier as a teacher and a student. Like if you don't, if your learning materials aren't good and they wrote really awesome, like course books that were really relevant and really engaging. Sorry. And they were just about to do a rewrite of every level. Um, so yeah, I, I remember I went and asked people, for advice whose opinions I valued. So I'd, I'd asked the chick who had had the role before me and said like, do you think it would be better for me to stay in the role or take a curriculum role? And I'd asked um, the director who was like, who'd kind of given me really good advice before. And I remember asking like the grounds guy, like the kind of, I don't even know what they're called, like building facilitator or something he was called. Mm-hmm. He was this kind of gruff guy who'd like, kind of grumble around the university was just like he was really interesting to talk to he was like a movie character i just loved him and um i was like oh paul can i ask your opinion and he was just like why are you asking me like i I, you know i i don't have that experience because he'd been in like you know kind of working class job his whole life yeah and um but he gave me the opinion that like um changed my not changed my mind but made it really easy for me to make it where he yeah. had said you know the other one there's a lot more kind of scope for different roles and variety and growth whereas in the managing one which was like I would have been much higher paid and I was um, in a much higher position in terms of like a career role he was like that one you kind of he's like that's good but there's it's not as kind of creative and yeah, so I remember take, that's how I made that decision. I had to kind of ask, ask people that had different perspectives. I sometimes find it really hard in my head to make those decisions. And it's like, yeah, really agonizing and I, like really stressful. I literally did that one like two months ago and I was like trying to figure out what the hell yeah. to do. Different. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. can I just have chats with like a hundred different, like I literally, I don't think there's like many people left in Melbourne that I probably didn't ask for an opinion on. <laughs> it's just like... Was it helpful? What do I do? Sorry. Was it helpful though? It was. Like I said, yeah. I think... And I think... Sorry, just me saying I think constantly. But <laughs> every person had a specific reason for why they would mm. point to one thing over another. And it was just interesting. And it, it was really good because all of these people were for like different parts of my life, right? So there was mm. like Gretchen who was kind of involved in like community stuff and like she would be like really aware of the culture where there's people from data and they were like mm. involved with like the really job heavy side of things. So like it was a really good way to kind of get everything I value in a job or a role and everyone else's opinions on those different things. And I was just like, okay, now I've gotten too many opinions and I just need to make up my mind. 
Yeah, it's like an unbiased kind of pros and cons list instead of like your your shitty one from your brain. (laughs) Exactly. And you're like, okay, cool. I see it now. This makes sense. And I'm okay with my decision, whichever way it ends up. I'm like, it'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so we are doing curricular development. I think you moved, like that's kind of all happening at the side end. So when did, I think, so you joined the boot camp? Like how was that decision coming along and where did that come from? Yeah, so that was, we're getting closer to there um, with curriculum. That I did it for like, I think it was three three or four years. That was also a job where I kind of look back and I'm like, I learned so many skills there that I, I, that I use in tech. But yeah, it was um, about three years. I got headhunted for a role in a kind of more um, senior role in Sydney. This was back in 2018, so three years ago. Um, and this is kind of what led to me <laughs> coming to tech. I was in Sydney for four months. That's how long I lasted. I like moved my whole life there. And I was just like, no, (laughs) like no to living not in Melbourne and no to being in this industry anymore. They were very, they were sexist. They were like very um, traditional and just terrible. It was the worst curriculum I've ever seen in my life. It was just like, I think about it and it like hurts my brain. They'd hired me and another woman who was also from the curriculum team in RMIT because it's really niche what we did. So there's not many people in Australia that did it to that level. Um, They hired both of us. She was my boss. And yeah, we were meant to rewrite their entire kind of curriculum at all levels. But they ended up, this is actually what happens in consulting too, but they ended up kind of going back on what they said just repeatedly. So we'd like have, she had like the rewrite planned when I got there already. Um, and had rewritten all the units, had written like a structure for all the subject like areas that the content would be written inside because um, content-based curriculum where you have like a theme that allows for those kind of opportunities for people to engage with like the words lots of times, which gives them those yeah. opportunities like to learn. Yeah, they kept going back on it and they were also really um, kind of, I'm thinking of the word undermining, but it's something else where they kind of like a bit gaslighty, really. Yeah. Uh, and uh, sorry, I don't even mean that casually. I mean the accurate, the real meaning of the term, like gaslighting. And it, yeah, it was such a toxic workplace. And I also had gotten to a point where I was just seeing this pattern in education. And so where I'd come from, I felt was like one of the best places in Australia for how they were doing, how they were writing their curriculum. Mm-hmm. But they were st- it was still an area that was getting like um, funding cut, resources cut. And I was kind of, I was just sick of it. I'm like, I, why, these students are paying thousands of dollars to come here and like study. Cause it's, you know, it's way more expensive for international students yeah. at uni. They work really hard, like not all of them, but like a lot of them do. And they're vulnerable. Like they're in a situation away from like support networks. And most of them are from cultures where you like, you don't do that. Like you stay with your family for a long time. Yeah. And we're just putting them in these classrooms without the materials they need to succeed. And it just like, I was like, I'm not going to participate in this system anymore. Just like, it was just not okay with me. And so that was a real moment in my life where I kind of waited up and, and just felt like, because one of the other things that had come up for me was um, having job security because I'd been casual for so long. When I got my first job in the learning center, which was a one year contract, my mom was like, oh my God, you got like your first job, like your first like permanent job. Cause I'd never had one and yeah. like never had more than a short contract. So that was a really um, hard thing to walk away from for me. 
But yeah, I kind of weighed it up and I'm like, I can't live anymore in conflict with my values to that extent. So I, that from then on, I've been really picky about the company I'm working for, the values they have and how they actually put them into practice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I kind of left not only that job, um, but the industry. So I just was like, I am not willing to do this anymore. The system is like broken. It's not okay how we're treating like students. And yeah, I just, I resigned and I organized um, a a woman actually I met at Girls in Tech, which was a global nonprofit I volunteered for before I was actually in tech myself. Um, She'd headhunted me for a role back in Melbourne that was like a marketing role. And I was like, yeah, okay, like, I'm not a marketer, but she's like, no, I would support you to do the marketing. You need to be more the delivery kind of project management, like delivery, delivery lead kind of thing. Yeah. And that I, I was like, yeah, hundred percent can do that. The kind of organization side. And then she hired me one day a week and that was a four day a week role. Um, she hired me the other one day a week for her startup. I really loved their approach. They would yeah, do a lot of ideation, a lot of agile ways of working and kind of help the clients learn how to be better like that as well. So that was really, really useful and really interesting and a, a really great team, but also a really hard environment for me to work in and to, to succeed in, which is some, uh, it was a big lesson to learn for me because I felt like the way that it didn't let me show up in the way I wanted to. So like I look back on um, my work there and I don't feel good about it. And I didn't feel good about how I left as well because um, that was, so, <laughs> sorry, this is, this is like a, this is like my low point in my life that we go into yeah. now. So mid 2018, Gwenny's come back from Sydney to Melbourne, super pumped to be back in Melbourne. Um, However, have walked away from a job that's like 100K a year at the top of my career and the like peak of my experience. So I was, it was like, my, my parents were like, what are you doing? And everyone I knew was like, are you fucking crazy? You know, it was like, and I couldn't quite, um, I couldn't promise that I did the right thing. You know, Mm. I didn't have the evidence now that industry has been demolished after COVID. So it was like my timing was like just so lucky for me, for the teachers I worked with. Like a lot of them have been in those roles for like, you know, 20 years and having to figure out what to do. It's been very sad like to watch. And Australia has not supported the industry or the students very well either, which you'll see it's more in the news at the moment than it was before. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's been pretty awful. But yeah, at that time, what it looked like to me was that I was walking away from like a really lucrative like job, really high up. Um, yeah. yeah. And I was also like, you know, presenting around like the place I had like credibility and yeah, I kind of was walking away from that. And so I went into this marketing job and it was at um, this shop that is now closed because they didn't like make it. Um, but they were also really uh, sexist and like toxic. And I saw, I somehow kind of, was in that I recognized it quicker because I was like, oh, this isn't good. This is that same like vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and they had like a lot of issues. Like they were like the store was dirty. It was like um, dusty. Stuff was broken, and they were trying to improve their online like experience. But I'm like, mm. you can't improve that and have people come into the shop and it be like rubbish. And there yeah. were like this hundred year old family owned company, so they they had a lot of kind of credibility. 
and people would come there for the name. But um, really bad working environment. And so both of those roles that I was doing like at the same time, for essentially through the same company, but um, four days I was at this other company, but kind of managed by the startup. Uh, I working by myself, like without having someone to kind of bounce ideas off or review against just doesn't work as well for me unless it's something with a really clear brief and like I can look at for example curriculum I recently wrote like a um an open learning like micro credential for cloud computing that kind of thing is a really short brief it's like it was like six modules um I know the topic area I I could immediately like in my mind plan out the curriculum plan out what I wanted to do and then write the kind of content that kind of thing, yeah, that's like fine by myself. But I think it's because I've had so many years with other people learning how to do that myself. Um, but my, yeah, it just doesn't work well for me. So like in both of those roles, I didn't have clear direction and I didn't have someone to kind of work with. And I was like, I remember the manager who's a really close friend, um, I know who I really respect of the startup. She would say stuff like, oh, no, you make the decision. Like I trust you because she'd hired me to do like her learning content. But I'd be like, in my mind, I'm like, no, I like, I want the direction from you. Like it's your business, it's your course. And so I really struggled with that as well without having kind of clear direction or vision from someone else. Yeah. And I ended up, this is spicy, ended up getting fired from the sexist place because I swore in a meeting. Um, (laughs) I said, um, I'd... They'd like this guy had, it's like hard to kind of summarize, but basically they'd had like weeks to do something to give feedback and to give information in terms of we were collating like baseline data. Yep. Um, I think this guy hadn't and then had gone and talked to the manager or something. And then we're in this meeting and I was like, look, it was awful. Like how he'd kind of behaved and it meant not mean, but it meant I couldn't do my job. And I was like, look, you had, you know, this time I was like, that was pretty fucked. Like this can't happen again. Are you willing to like communicate more next time? And then I think the next day I got this call like to come in at like 9am and I was like, okay, for what? So for anxious people, as you know, I'm sure everyone knows, or no, not everyone knows because it keeps happening. Do not say to people like, can I meet with you without an agenda, without telling them what they need to repair? It's so stressful. It's painful. It's happened to me multiple times. And the amount of times I would write down, like, essentially angry emails back being like, you cannot do this. This is not okay. (laughs) No one deserves the stress. Like, no. You know what you're going to talk about. Just talk, like, just write it down. It's not hard. Yeah, it was brutal. And I, I asked, I was like, okay, so yeah, what can I prepare? Like, what do you need me to do? And he was like, oh, nothing. And I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right. And it was just, it was so humiliating and so, um, it was just awful. And they could only do it because I was on probation. Um, legally, you can't do that if someone is not on probation. It's totally acceptable. And it's, there are like legal precedents like for people swearing. As long as it's not like that they're going to lose business because of it. And yeah. like, I wasn't angry or like using a different tone or anything. Like, anyway, it, but that crushed me. So I was just, I was devastated. I like would have been really depressed. I was just like, I cried for just forever. I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed to like tell my parents. Um, 
And, but the flip side of that was I ended up um, being able to start the bootcamp earlier to do web development. So I already knew by then that I wanted to get into tech partially because of the curriculum writing, because you have to use these online learning activities that like engineers have developed and they're rubbish. And I, I was like, I'm just going to learn how to do it myself. Like I just snapped one day and just started asking people I knew about, like, I'm like, what's HTML? Like I remember to my ex, like, well, but what's JavaScript then? And like, just, or like, well, how does the internet work? Questions like that when you like, don't know anything. Cause I couldn't even understand the concept of what a language was like a, a programming language. I didn't know that that's how everything was kind of put together. And yeah, I, so I'd started like self-learning eventually when I figured out what it was, I ended up um, like teaching young girls to code with code like a girl. Cause they'd seen my teaching background that started when I was in Sydney yeah. And yeah, I kind of knew I wanted to do it by then. And I was like, I can do this now. And I, I did the yeah six month boot camp, which is like a diploma of IT. Um, still try to, I wrote curriculum freelance around that um, to like pay, to be able to live. Like a lot of people went and like lived with their parents or their partners, but I kind of couldn't do that. So I, I burnt out basically <laughs> like, but I was like at six months I can burn out and like, that's fine. It yeah. like was not fine, <laughs> but I got through the boot camp, and, and here I am now. So, Oh my God. There is so much in there that I'm like, okay. Wow. Yes. I love, I think it's just that conviction to be like, well, to start with like, mm, I don't like this. I'm going to build it myself. <laughs> I love that. Cause I feel like 90% of people in tech have somehow ended up here just because I do not like this. <laughs> let me just do it myself. Like yeah, genuinely, it's just that? like, I'm like, I could do this better. Yeah. <laughs> like it really is true. I think, and it's so important, I think, and I'm so glad you touched on it and you were happy to touch on it about the other things happening outside. Like I said, the fact that you're like, well, okay, it's six months, I'll burn out. It's fine really isn't let's be real oh, it isn't. God. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, awful and it feels terrible but like oh yeah that is the reality for so many people yeah kind of make it especially when you're doing a career change like it's not easy and not easy having that faith like that leap of faith without having like that safety yeah. net at the same time because i mean most people are doing that because they need a change and they don't have a safety net in the current place that mm. they're in because it's maybe it's a casual job or whatever it's like doing right now Oh, I'm so glad you talked about it. Like it's hard and it's tough, and if you can make like if you willingly will put yourself through it, like it's great. You'll come out the other end of it, and it's yeah, it's super worth it. Like, yeah, like I'm. Exactly. It's only been I think two years, and I'm already making more than I was in that job I left. So it's like yeah, I can now be at that point where I look back and I'm like, oh, I can justify like my decisions. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, the whole time, yeah, it is hard. It's hard emotionally, it's hard financially, it's hard like energetically to like be in that p- place of learning something new and kind of walking away from being an expert and becoming like, yeah. I was um, rubbish. I, I, I'm not a natural programmer. I'm not naturally like into tinkering with computers or like gaming or anything like that. Yeah. I'm, I, I learn pretty slowly. So it was just like, yeah, it was a really hard experience and I like cried most of the time in class, like every day, just like by myself, like no one saw. It was just like this secret, like little me. Actually, I wasn't even typing because I was staring at the screen crying because I couldn't understand it for like the thousandth time <laughs> and just feeling like I was stupid. <laughs> so like, yeah. Like, 
I'm so <laughs> glad you're talking. It's, it's normal. Like coding isn't yeah. easy. And, it, and you, you touched on this earlier. Coding and like programming, it's not built for beginners. Like, no. I don't know why it's been built to be so hard to get into it. I don't know what that whole barrierness is for. But it isn't easy. Yeah, well, I think teaching is an undervalued skill. And a lot of people who are like either writing the content people learn from or the docs yeah. in tech or teaching technical concepts, they're not, they don't necessarily have those skills or the support to develop those skills. Yeah. And it's really sad. And I think I'm oh, it's just, yeah, it kind of goes back to just being very thankful you were openly talking about those things because the amount, and I mean, I don't know if you would agree with this, but whenever I see people having changed careers from like boot camps or things like this, right, where they've had a career and they didn't go back to college to change it, they just kind of did a small little thing and they didn't yeah. I think not enough people talk about the struggles around it. It's like, yep, I did this. It was great and I'm here and I'm succeeding and it's all good. And you'll be fine. You'll make it through and it'll be great on the other end of it. But I feel like no one actually talks about that middle bit, which is an awful time to go through because of the uncertainty. And you're like, well, I'm doing this. I don't know if it's going to work out. I've already left my other job. Yeah. It, God, yeah. I'm very glad you talked about this. This is great. <laughs> I really like this because, oh my God, yeah, I think there'll be like a couple of episodes in a row where it's like, the different experiences of people going through boot camps. Cool. The last episode was literally someone actually switching from pharmacy into mm. doing tech through a boot camp. And again, like teaching, and I think there's someone who has done a PhD in neuroscience, I'm hoping he'll come along too. So I'm like, That's cool. it's really interesting to hear the different experiences just within the same career changes. So thank you so much. And I think, God, I think we've talked for so long. Um, so we might wrap it up there for today. And I feel like <laughs> there's going to have to be like a I was saying this, I was like, there's going to have to be follow-up episodes for everyone just being like, this is where we were, this is where we're at now. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for coming along and sharing so openly and just being such a cool person to talk to. Like, all of this. It's just so interesting to listen to you. My like, pleasure. Figure out all these other cool things you've done. <laughs> right. So we will wrap it up there and we shall see everyone again in two weeks' time for another episode of Paths Uncovered.